Hi, thanks for tuning in to Holy Spirit Feed. I'm Jen Johnson. I'm excited to share what God has been showing me. I'm praying that your spiritual ears and eyes will be open to hear and see what Holy Spirit has for you. Have you ever had the thought, I wish I had somebody to run this situation by? I wish I had somebody to teach me this. I wish I had somebody to help me find good friends, find the right people to hang with, to do life with, or to get help in a certain situation, maybe financial choices, maybe choices with dating, marriage, parenting. You know, I wish I had had somebody when I was a teenager to help me get ready for college or life or handle friend drama. I wish I had somebody now that would help me with friend drama, right? (laughs) You know what, though? If you don't have somebody, then be somebody to someone else. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Be that person to help, to guide, to listen, to be a fellow believer, sharpening another believer. Or it could even be someone who's not a believer, they're a pre-believer, And through the help that you offer them in some area in their life, they somehow meet Jesus during that process. That would be amazing. This is Paul's message to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gifts you have. He was exhorting him to go after his best. You have things to offer others. Ask God to bring others around you that you can help. If you're good at relationship boundaries, ask God to bring you someone who struggles with that. If you're a woodworker, ask him to reveal to you who you can teach those skills to, or just be a friend or an encourager to someone. Maybe you understand basic accounting. Help a high school kid learn how to give offering to the Lord. Come on. Help them not screw up their credit. Help a young couple figure out what they need to know to buy their first home. I had a conversation a few months back with a friend that was thinking about buying their first home. And I was like, well, whatever you do, don't pay PMI. And they were like, what's PMI? Well, if you don't know, it's mortgage insurance and it's expensive and you can avoid it if you have a percentage of the total cost of your home to put down. If you have a certain amount of money down payment, then you don't have to pay that. Well, nobody told me about PMI, so I paid it for years. And when I found out what was up, I was mad. I was like, geez, couldn't someone have explained that to me? I had a conversation with a nurse recently She was about 22 or so. We just started talking about things in the future. And she was like, I don't know anything. She said, I'm so nervous about my future. I do not have a plan and I don't know what to do. And you know, you don't know what you don't know. But once you've had some experience and once you know it, we can't forget to tell the next person who doesn't know yet. Matthew 10, 8 says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, Drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. James 1 says, every good and perfect gift is from above. So here's the deal. It says, freely you have received, freely give. Every good and perfect thing you have received from the Lord, whether it's an athletic gifting, a trade, a craft, being a good listener, maybe you work well with kids, whatever you have, 
We need to give any good thing that we have received from the Lord to others. Share the wealth with people. Ultimately, life is about people, not things. In Joshua 3, the Lord told Joshua to have the priests take the Ark of the Covenant, and as soon as their feet touched the water of the Jordan River, the water flow would stop and it would pile up in a heap. So they began to cross, and then this is what happened in Joshua 4, verses 1 through 7. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you will take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the river, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Okay, so there were these stones that they took from the middle of the river. God did this miracle. He stopped the water flow so that all of the Israelites could cross. And then these stones were set up as a memorial. So he said, when your children ask, tell them what those stones are. Pass on what you know. Share with the future generations what I have done so they can continue to do the same. You know, YouTube is awesome. You can learn how to do just about anything from YouTube. Come on. But YouTube is no substitute for a person's life experience and personal interaction. I own a business which I started from the ground up, and I love helping others in business get started or make their process easier or their marketing better. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Another version says, for they can help each other succeed. So two working gets a better return than one. It's not just the effort of two, but a supernatural increase that becomes the work of three or four or even greater. In Ecclesiastes 4.12, it then goes on to say, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You know, you're not too old to help someone. You're not too anything to help someone. If you are alive, you have something to offer. Absolutely, we need seasoned business people, moms, wives, husbands, dads, those who have been in the trenches of child rearing or starting that business from nothing to jump in and share their knowledge, to help someone learn how to play a musical instrument. You're not too young to help either. Help someone that's right behind you in life. If you've gone to college, help that high schooler apply to college. They don't know anything. They just feel afraid to ask. They feel pressure to know how to do something that they've never done. And that's not right. That's coming from the enemy. So if you see someone struggling, step out. Listen to the Lord's prompting on your heart and help them. I've said it before. It's hard to lead someone somewhere that you've never been. So if you've been somewhere that is good, Help someone else get there too. 
Experience is invaluable, and God places anointing on experience. You know, David killed the lion and the bear, so he was prepared for the battle with Goliath. That prepared him to be king as well. The experiences that you have been through could be just what someone else needs to encourage them to step forward into their future. You know, suicide is a major, major problem that should never happen. And suicide is always demonically inspired. But something that is a huge factor in suicidal thoughts is not feeling or not being connected to others. The lie thoughts that come in, they sound something like this. No one will care if I'm gone. They won't even notice. They'll just go on with their lives. We need to be in community. Come unity. We need to welcome unity into our lives. We need to create opportunities to have unity with others and help others to feel connected with us. I have a friend who told me a story one time. So she had felt a strong prompting from the Holy Spirit to go to her brothers. They must have been you know, just old enough to like not live at home in their family home anymore or whatnot. So he had a different place and she just felt so strongly she was supposed to go. She didn't really know why, but she got there and found out that he was going to end things. He was going to end his life, but then she showed up just because she felt like she was supposed to go there. You know, what if she wouldn't have gone? What if she would have brushed off that prompting from Holy Spirit? We cannot be so self-centered and self-focused that we don't hear it when God says, go, do something, text someone, reach out, talk to someone. We have to be listening to him. You know, and the people that you're going to help, obviously they need you. They need what God has placed in you, but you need them as well. You need to give what you have so that you don't become stagnant, disconnected, and unfruitful. There's a reason why God said, be fruitful and multiply, be fruitful and share that fruit with others. And you won't get more if you don't give what you have. You've probably heard this before. God will get something to you if he can get it through you. Life with God flows like a river, not a mud puddle. The Lord told Samuel in 1 Samuel 16, he said, fill your horn with oil and go anoint David as king. This is about Samuel at this point. He had to make the decision to fill his horn, to get filled up on Holy Spirit inside of him and on the outside of him. He needs to get ready to be somebody to somebody. So fill your horn because you do too. There's somebody out there waiting for you to pour into their life. If your horn is full of a bunch of other garbage, you can't fit any oil in it. Clear it out clean house, then get filled up on Jesus so that you can have the power to step into your future of mentoring, of being somebody to somebody. When David was called out of the field to get anointed by Samuel, he had no idea what was going on. And often we don't, we just do what we are called to do in the moment. But know this, whatever you are doing now, God is preparing you for what's next. David was killing lions and bears, but Samuel knew something else. Samuel had insight from the Lord about what was supposed to happen next. Samuel was the one who needed to start the process. What if Samuel would have said, nope, don't feel like it. 
ultimately, you know, God is sovereign. His purpose will prevail. But we have the opportunity to say, here I am. Use me. What if you are the one that's supposed to start the process for someone else? Don't drop the ball here. You can do it. So Samuel says yes to the call of God to be somebody to somebody and thank God he did. Look at David. He wrote the Psalms. He danced before the Lord. He was a man after God's own heart. He fathered Solomon. Right, David wasn't perfect, but in order to do what God called him to, he needed a Samuel to help him along to plant the seed. Whether you know it or not, I'm talking to some Samuels right now. Rise up and go. Be somebody to somebody. You might have noticed I keep repeating, be somebody to somebody, because repetition helps things to stick in our mind. And we don't only need this to stick in our mind, we need it to stick in our heart. Once you get saved, as a believer, it's not just to go to church on Sunday and give financially and then you've reached the requirement. No, getting saved is just the beginning. Just like when you get married, you don't say, oh, that was a great wedding, later. No, you go on a honeymoon and you procreate. You know, God has a honeymoon planned for you. He is our groom. You and him are going to procreate. Maybe you and him will start a business or lead someone else's business or go into the medical field or you and your spouse and God will have a family. Maybe you're a waitress and you and God will serve people. Maybe you teach elementary kids with God. Maybe you build things or you're a mechanic and you fix cars. So be the one that taught the kid to fix cars. Be the one that taught the girl or the boy to bake or cook. And then she or he goes out and becomes the next Julia Childs or Bobby Flay. In Luke 10 too, this is Jesus speaking. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You know, you are a worker. Jesus was that somebody for us. He came as a man and died so we can be somebody for someone else. Freely you have received, freely give. We talked about that. You haven't been given your gifts just for you. You have Holy Spirit inside of you for you, but you have Holy Spirit on the outside of you through the baptism with Holy Spirit for others. You have something to give. Part of being a mature believer is training others. If you are in a certain point in your walk in life, ask the Lord who is two steps behind you and bring them forward. Take ownership of your part in the body of Christ. You know, when I was a teen, for the most part, there was nobody. Nobody was telling me, you know, do this, don't do that. Modeling an example of a healthy marriage or healthy family relationships. I just wasn't seeing that. Nobody was talking with me about who I was, which if I knew who I was, then I would have known what to do and how to act right. Now, I shouldn't say nobody because there was one family the Lord reminded me of as I was working through this podcast, the Jansons. One of my good friends in eighth grade, it was her family, and they actually were modeling a healthy family life devoted to the Lord And looking back, I'm so grateful to have had the honor to be around them and to watch them live out life as disciples of Jesus. And I actually ran into the dad a year or so ago at Home Depot. (laughs) 
And I saw him and I was so excited and I was just able to thank him just for being there and, um, you know, letting me spend time at their home and just being somebody to me. And if you look back, maybe you don't have too many Jansen families in your past, you know, and I wish I would have had more, but we can't change the past. We can be thankful for what was good and move beyond what wasn't. But we could be that for other people. We could be that healthy example, modeling what it looks like to follow Jesus. We have a lot of things going on in the world today. And those things need prayer and they need some attention. But if you are so focused on that, that we don't see the thing or more importantly, the person that's right in front of us, that needs our attention, that needs us to be somebody for them. You know, you might say, I've got this going on, I've got that going on, and these things are happening. But what about what God says to you? What is he calling you to right now? What is your specific assignment? The people around you need you to focus on Jesus. They need you to be the hands of Jesus in their life right here and right now. If you have too many distractions going on in your life, then stop the madness. Ask God what can be removed in order for you to focus on who he wants to add or even someone that is already there in your life, but because you got so wrapped up in the what, the things, the events, you missed the who. If you ask most people to just stop and think what is really important, what's most important, It's the people in our lives, not the stuff in our lives. Jesus was all about the people. When he entered Jerusalem, he didn't say, oh, what a beautiful city and look at the large buildings and landscaping. No, he had compassion for the people and he wept. He was always like, let the children come. He met the needs of the people around him. He healed, he saved, he delivered, he spoke life. He was somebody to every person he came into contact with, whether they knew it or not. He cared and cares for people as his priority. He was somebody to others. So I challenge and implore you to look, see who is in your life that needs somebody and be somebody.